Your welcome to the Davis 10 Soccer Podcast. My name is Greg Davis, former NCAA Division I athlete, and the goal of this podcast is to shed light on the harsh realities of life after sports. My guest today is former professional and collegiate soccer player Chelsea Cabartis. Chelsea began her collegiate career at Stetson University, followed by Iona University, becoming a key player for the Gales during her sophomore and junior seasons. No stranger to the international level, Chelsea made the roster for the U-17 Columbia national team and represented the country for nine years. A talented radio host as well, Chelsea has reported for Complex News, Cosmos TV, Shade 45, Hot 97, One World Sports, and ESPN Deportes. These days, Chelsea serves as NYCFC's in-stadium host while while balancing her modeling career with a New York-based modeling agency. Chelsea, welcome to the Davis 10 Soccer Podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Love the energy, love the energy. Chelsea is currently reporting from Columbia. She actually just got off work. So hello from Columbia and appreciate you taking the time. Yes, it's been crazy. Thank you so much for being patient with me. (laughs) (laughs) Now we had to push it back just a little bit, but it was fine. You know, I got some time to to cook up some ground turkey and all that. So, um, (laughs) so it was, it's completely fine. Um, And uh, yeah, I know I've known Chelsea since, um, since even though we haven't talked in in a while now, it's been years since, since we last seen each other, even talked, um, you actually went to the same middle school together, junior high school, middle school, whatever you want to call it. Um, and we spent about three years there at the same middle school. Shout out to George J. Ryan, MS216, Queens, New York. Oh my gosh, time flies, right? <laughs> We're already adults living adulthood life. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. It really is. And, um, you know, I think even though like, I, I don't even remember, like I was trying to think back as to because I knew that you played soccer. I think you knew that I played soccer, but I think it was more, I don't even know if it was maybe more through club stuff that we knew each other played soccer. Cause it's not like, I remember like going out in the yard at, at middle school. It's not like no, we were playing we soccer actually, or anything. What was really funny. Well, from my memory, I, um, I remember just kind of not really knowing the level that you played. Right. Because usually kids from the city don't really play at a high level. Right. Uh, they're usually like in Long Island and New Jersey. Right. Um, city kids are just not known to play sports. Well, basketball maybe, but other right, sports right. no. Right. So um, I remember I think that one day you just kind of like mentioned it or someone mentioned it. And I was like, he doesn't play soccer. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't know what had happened. I saw you play and I was like, oh, he plays like soccer, soccer, like real soccer. Like he's good. And I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Yeah. So, that was yeah like, and that's yeah. how I realized that you played. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I don't even remember even, I guess that rings a bell. And I don't even remember really fully like, yeah, how that kind of came about. Um, but yeah, I was playing some serious soccer then. I was like, that was like when I was I was killing it. <laughs> um, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. That was like, that was like my ultra peak right there. So um, and yeah, and, and when I reached out to Chelsea to, to do this podcast, you know, she she responded like right away. And then she was like, you know, actually I was just, you know, I was just thinking about this yesterday or, or I had a moment like this yesterday where I was, where I was just thinking about the transition process and how difficult it is. So like, I would love to be on your show. So, um, you know, really appreciate just like your, you know, like, like your transparency and just, you know, how, how responsive you were and how quick you were to, to say, you know, absolutely. No problem. Yeah. I feel like, uh, not that many 
people really shed the light on the transition from becoming an athlete, from being an athlete to just regular life, right? Uh, especially if you're like a high level college, um, I'm sorry, high level college or professional, your life is pretty much structured, right? Uh, and then that whole transition of just being like, okay, now I go into my regular career or whatever you're transitioning to after that, it's like, okay, now what do I do? <laughs> right. Right, right. And again, that, that that's really, you know, just really the reason I started this is I struggled with that uh, really a lot. So, um, and I know other people did as well, but um, it's good to kind of come back, you know, possibly a few years out the game, whatever it may be, and, and really just shed light now that we've, you know, grown and matured and learned so many things. So why don't we just start off, uh, get right into it. So why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, how did you get into soccer and what initiated your love for the sport? So I initially started playing soccer when I was three years old. I'm an only child. And uh, with that comes being a daddy's little girl, right? He wanted a son. Unfortunately, he did not get that. <laughs> so <laughs> I was basically stuck to the hip. Like I was literally attached to my father. He would take me to his soccer games on Saturdays, which was in Flushing Meadow Park. I'm half Colombian, half Dominican. So coming from a Colombian background, soccer is very much part of our culture, part of our lives. Um, and my dad at that time, he was a young dad. He was like 36, 37. He was still playing uh, Saturday leagues. So he would take me with him. And I was usually the only girl at the park because <laughs> there was all, a bunch of little boys. And I would sit there and watch my dad. And my dad would just ask one of those moms or, you know, the ladies, or, oh, just watch her. So obviously I didn't want to stay put. And I would just start playing with the little boys. And that's how I really started. Um, I did have my moments where I didn't want to play. I, it was funny cause my dad was actually my first coach and they actually have a video of me on the soccer field, literally mid game. I sat down and I started playing with a flower. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was like, what the hell are you doing? And anyone that knows my dad, he's very passionate, uh, very strong, a little bit too strong at times. Uh, he was very, very, uh, tough on me. So for him, it was like, what are you doing? Like, you're supposed to be the star player. And here I was playing with a flower. Yeah. So <laughs> that pretty much like sums up my life. <laughs> no, nice. Um, no, but yeah, no, I'm kidding. But, um, but yeah, that's how it all started. And then it just became really a way for me to bond with my father. My parents ended up getting divorced when I was around like 10, 11. And that was just the way of me bonding with my dad. Practices, uh, I was with him every day, you know, and that's kind of how he coped with the divorce and the separation. And that's how I kind of coped with their divorce as well. Uh, obviously at that age, you don't really understand things. You kind of just kind of go with the flow in a way. But little did I know is that we were kind of using each other to cope with the situation. That's so interesting. Yeah, that's, that's such a good point because, you know, even though you were the one playing and, you know, your, your dad probably just wanted you to play, you know, it was also, and, and obviously playing and maybe not at that age, but playing at a certain point becomes a coping mechanism for all of us athletes. Um, it's just so interesting that you bring up, you like your dad and that was a coping mechanism for him as well. Just maybe just seeing you play or just being out there with you, right. In terms of dealing with his own, you know, personal possible struggles at the time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's something that like now I, I understand and like we would talk about, where he would say, you know, your mom was never really around, which is true. Uh, I, I love my mom to death. I have nothing against her. But like now as a woman, I kind of understand. I understand her point and I understand his his perspective as well. 
Um, and it's true, my mom wasn't around. I don't really have any memories with my mom at that age. It was all with my dad and me being on the soccer field. And I think you know, well, you would know best, uh, you already know when a child's gonna go far at a certain age, right? So my dad really kind of put his all into me starting when I was like, I was really young, but it was really when I was like nine, 10, that he really put his all into me. And it was training every single day I didn't get the chance to play any other sport. I think I did tennis for a day and that didn't even last. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to me, I was amazing in tennis, but it was it was really just a day <laughs> that I practiced. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of how, how it all started. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. I think I remember talking to my dad at one point and same thing that you said, like once your parents realize you're gonna go far in something, then I was talking to my dad and I ended up getting a scholarship to college. And we were just talking about like, you know, scholarship, uh, not scholarship, but just a college fund. And, and he was like, yeah, we didn't even set one up for you. We just figured that like, you know, you, <laughs> so I was like, thank God I didn't stop playing at some point. I would have been screwed. So, um, thank God, yeah. <laughs> like, but, um, so what did you tell me? Like, you know, is there, is there one moment that sticks out to you as like your most favorite childhood sports memory? So before even the competitive soccer started. Um, I think my favorite moment is like in the sport, I will say, I remember, I think I was like 11 years old. Um, I mean, I know you, you said, you mentioned like not competitive, but like to me, it's not competitive, but it is. Um, <laughs> I always played um, an age up, right? Or two age, two ages up, um, the age group. And I remember I had transitioned from being on a boys team to a girls team. And at that time I was training literally daily with uh, a trainer that he's African, Nigerian, actually. I think you might know him, Ernest. Ernest yeah, Ina. yeah, definitely. Yeah. So he was basically like a dad to me. Uh, my dad kind of basically threw me onto him <laughs> after my dad is like basically done with me, <laughs> um, teaching me all he knew. So I had remembered that Ernest was starting a girls team, a U14 girls team. And I remember them telling me, you can't be part of this team because you're too young. You're, you're too young, they're gonna hurt you. You're too, like, you're fragile. And I remember looking at them and I was like, no, I'm not. And they're like, yeah, you are, you can't play. So I remember they had the tryout, they already had the team. And I ended up going to a practice with them. And I walked up to Ernest before that practice. And I was like, Ernest, if I score two goals during this practice, you're gonna give me the chance to be on this team. And he looked at me, he would just laugh and it's like, Nigerian accent. He's like, oh. he's like, sure, that's not going to happen. I was like, Ernest, I've been practicing with you every day. Like, I was his top skill player. Uh, well, like his little, his little, his little, like, player that was, like, being brought up. So, anyways, that day, I don't know what got into me, but I literally scored four goals during this practice. <laughs> I Let me tell you, I killed it. Yeah. So I remember I walked off the field, right, happy with like my big jug of water. And I looked at him and I was like, so am I part of the team yet? Or what's going on? <laughs> and my dad looked at me. My dad was like, that's when they both realized like I had a lot of drive, you know, nice. and determination to be like to become something or just become something bigger than obviously than what they had originally thought I was going to be. Yeah. And. He looked at me, he was like, oh, man, I remember he would say, oh, man, he's like, oh, man, he's like, we made a deal. <laughs> he's like, all right, he's like, all right, baby, Chelsea, he's like, you'll be part of the team. Yeah. And that's, that was like my first like memory where I was like, all right, now I'm with the big dogs. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I remember Ernest well. I, uh, I didn't, I didn't train with him per se. I trained with 
Elliot. There were like a few, there were like a few around the, the Queens area. There were like a few trainers. Yeah. Um, Elliot was from Trinidad. That was like my trainer, but he would always compete with Ernest, but then there were also there were like cool. rivals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it was, it was definitely real. And um, what would you say just kind of like your, you know, what was your dream? Um, what did you ultimately want to accomplish with, with soccer? I wanted to become the best player in the world. I just wanted to become professional. I wanted to go pro. Uh, I think from, I kid you not, every yearbook I've had since like kindergarten, all you would see in the bottom, it's like everyone wants to be a doctor, a firefighter. I'm here like, I want to be a soccer player, <laughs> literally in all my yearbooks, which is hilarious. Uh, and yeah, I wanted to play World Cup. Uh, the Olympics, obviously, that, that goal came into into play a little later in my life when I kind of understood what the Olympics actually was. Um, but yeah, professional. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And you went right for it. Like, you, like not just professional, you want to be like the best. So I love that. Yeah. Love that. Um, you <laughs> Definitely. Know, and I think that's what a lot of us do, right? I remember I used to like pray every night, just even until I was like 18. I was like, I want to be the best soccer player in the world. <laughs> um, even when I knew it was impossible at that point, you know, it was just, it was still like, I couldn't let it go. So like looking back at it, um, you know, or, or I guess, I guess kind of what, tell me, tell me about the point in your, in your career where where you felt the closest to this dream? So tell me like the highest point in your career where you felt closest, you know, to this dream, whether that dream was realistic or not, you know, being the best player, tell me where you felt like closest to it. Um, I think, <clears throat> I think the closest I felt was when I went for the full on national team, not the U17, but the full on national team and I was already in college. Um, and I will say I didn't have an easy college career just because I would, well, when I went into Stetson, I'm sorry. Yeah, when I went into Stetson, I was going into a team that already had their base. And basically I was waiting for the seniors or the juniors to kind of get like walk off and then I would come on, right? Um, and it's not like I play an easy position. It's a very difficult position because it's center mid. So it's kind of the the piece to the puzzle, the center to absolutely everything. Yeah. So coaches don't really take chances, especially with like young players where I think, I mean, personally, well, we'll get into it later where I think that's where they kind of mess players up. Um, but anyways, so yeah, I never really had it easy. And then um, where I wouldn't really get playing time. So that kind of would bring confidence down. Uh, but then I got called to the full up national team and I worked my butt off, I remember, right before that. And I ended up getting really far. We were going, for, I think it was for the, yeah, it was for the Olympics. Um, and I literally got to the last round. Uh, I was in the roster to go to the Olympics at 22. So that was when I like, that was like the highest for me where I was like, all right, this is my peak. And I was playing really good. Um, I was comfortable. I felt secure. It was just kind of like a flow, right? I, I don't. I don't think anyone really understands unless like you're an athlete. But it's like kind of just everything flows. Like everything in your life just is flowing, and it's like you're kind of just on this like wave, and you're just riding it, and everything feels good. Um, I think that was like the one time where I was like, "All right, I'm good." Like I would get on the field, and I was secure. I felt yeah. that confidence, you know, where I'm like, "I'm good. I'm gonna kill it. <laughs> right. I'm fit, so I'm, I'm fine." Yeah. So yeah. Nice, nice. No, I definitely understand exactly what you're saying there. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, when did you, when did you kind of, um, 
realize, I guess, that, that this dream that you had of kind of making it to the top would, would, would be unattainable? Um, I think, well, I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but I've suffered a lot of injuries. Um, I had a really big one right after, right after the, that Olympics, um, my knee was already bothering me. And I guess because of all the wear and tear and obviously the D1, D1, it's, they put a lot, a lot of like, just, um, what's the word? Well, I'm getting mixed up with Spanish. I'm sorry. <laughs> they, they just, sorry. No, all good. <laughs> they just wear off your, they just kind of like mess up your body, you know? Um, and I really had no type of rest as soon as I got back from camp. So with all that being said, I remember I went into my game and I blew out my entire knee, my ACL, MCL, PCL, meniscus, everything. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't like your normal tear. It was it was pretty it was really bad. Like my leg was dangling. Um, and then after that, I was like part of that one percent that I didn't get my mobility back right after right after surgery. So that prolonged my recovery even more. Whereas in everything in your body is like connected. Um, so my quad just, I lost my quad completely. And that kind of, that's when all the problems started with my knees and just everything. Um, so after that, I think after that, I was very positive. I always had that fighter mentality, but when the third one happened, <laughs> because as soon as I got back, I turned my meniscus again because I wasn't ready to play. <laughs> And then my third one uh, was when I actually went for the World Cup. And during practice, my knee fell off. I was with the national team. I got called back to the national team. And I remember that my knee just fell off. I was like, why am I not, like, why don't I have my speed? Why am I not quick? I don't understand. Like, I've been extremely diligent with my training. I would wake up every morning. I train twice a day. I was like, what the, I do all the rehab, everything you possibly think of, I, I do. So when I was competing with these girls, I'm like, well, what's going on? Like, I don't understand. Um, little did I know that my ACL was laxed. And uh, that obviously got me cut off the team. Um, and from there, I had to go back to New York and find out like what was the problem like what went wrong because obviously it was like from my first surgery initially and i had surgery with like the best surgeon in the states um dr riley williams which is actually the doctor for the u.s olympic team basketball team um sorry and so for me i was like i'm suing this guy because <laughs> no because i right before i went to camp i literally i went to his office and i asked him i was like hey am i good am i good to go to camp am i fine he's like yeah you're fine and then I get there and the doctor tested me and he was like, you're not okay. Like your knee is literally coming out of your leg. Like, how are you playing like this? But my, I was so diligent with my rehab and my muscle was so strong that my muscle was what was holding on to my leg, you know, right. and my mindset and just like my desire to play was what really, my determination is what really got me through everything. But in reality, like I wasn't okay. Mm. Um, which sounds like a movie, but whatever. Um, anyways, after that, uh, I ended up getting surgery again. Um, and I, I ended up going with Riley Williams again because I was like, you know what? You're the one that knows my body. You know what you did. I'm not going to take the chances and go with someone else. And they kind of messed me up even more. So with that being said, um, a 45-minute surgery ended up being five hours long. Because when he went in, my knee was completely uh, 
it was way worse than what they expected. They asked for my parents' permission uh, to see if they can take uh, they could take a piece of my other leg. So I didn't know this. I was obviously under anesthesia. So when I woke up, imagine both of my legs are dead and I see them both cut open. So, and that's something that I was not expecting. Um, man, Greg, I screamed in that, in that hospital. No, like, this doctor like... gave me the best, this doctor gave me the best room because he felt so bad. <laughs> and I literally woke up flipping out. I was like, because ah. I thought like, I was like, he went into the wrong leg. I was like, my leg was wrong. I was like, Why the hell? I was like, Can you curse on this thing? I was like, why the fuck is my other leg cut open? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, no one can so see me right was, now, but my like, my eyes are just like wide open listening to all this. So. I was literally, I was, I, I just couldn't believe it. And then he came in the room and he was like, Chels, I'm sorry, but it's going to take you two years. Mm. And Greg, I, I, when I tell you, like, I think everything shattered, like I, my heart shattered, just every, I, I couldn't stop crying. I just, I, I wasn't, I couldn't even talk because I was just crying. And I was like, great, now what? Um, I was able to get back, but it wasn't really the same anymore. You yeah. know, I think uh, part of me, my mom actually has a video of me in, in the hospital and she asks me, I was like under all the drugs that you possibly think of. And she asked me, she's like, what are you going to do now? Right? She literally was just filming me. And she was just like, what are you going to do now? And my first words was, uh, were, I'm going to get back on the national team. I literally said that. I was like, I'm going to get back on the national team. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. Um, and yeah. So like, I always get like really like emotional when I talk about this. But this last recovery, it really kind of put... <laughs> put a whole toll on me because <laughs> it's not like you're you're competing with yourself you are competing with yourself but you are competing against other other athletes high level athletes right and they can be really harsh they don't they don't they don't care because everyone's out there for for their for their, for their position you know right. um so that was also very hard on me and like during this transition it's kind of you, you need that positivity you need you need that confidence. You need all of that. Everything you can possibly get. Like, that's what you need. And I didn't really have that. So there were really moments where I was just feeling very insecure and stuff like that. So I would have doubts. And, yeah, that's kind of when kind of had, like, those low moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, honestly, I knew about I knew a bit about your injuries. I honestly didn't know the extent of it. Um, and, and I'm sure that that played, you know, like I think you said, I mean, that, that really pushed back your, your progress in terms of what you wanted to accomplish. And, and I'm sure it kind of was, was a big part of the reason why your playing days ended. Um, you know, what, what, what would you say? I know that there was, there was tough moments in that, in that whole process, but was there one point that you remember as like, wow, I'm at my absolute lowest right now. Is there one specific moment that you were at your absolute lowest point? I think. It wasn't when I was injured, when I was coming through my recovery. It was recently, about two months ago, when I decided to completely retire, um, where I was like, whoa, I'm at my lowest. <laughs> uh, just because it was, it was a hard decision for me to kind of retire, you know. Um, there's, so, there's, there's so much part of the game that people don't really see. Uh, it's more of the mental aspect not really the physical it's more the mental the kind of things that you deal with in your head uh you're alone most of the time you know when you're playing at a high level 
you're alone a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, and you're not just competing against others, you're competing against yourself, right? And the thoughts in your head and trying to kind of um, give yourself confidence or give you great self-talk, positive self-talk. So about three, three months ago, yeah, that's when I got like really low where I was like, who was I kidding? Like, I was like, I'm never going to get back to playing. You know, I'm, I'm, this is not, I was never made for this, you know? And I think me comparing myself to other, to other players uh, just got me like kind of really low where I was just like, I don't understand. Like, why does this player, why is this player in such position or, or in such team? And like, I can't make it. Like I'm someone that has always been very on top of my game. And like, I do all the extra work and like you, obviously get to know these players throughout your career, right? And you know what, you know how they are, you know what they do, you know, it's like you kind of, it's just like, you're like, oh, this person doesn't deserve to be there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, everyone has their own destiny, right? And their own purpose. So you kind of just learn to deal with it. <laughs> right. And understand, understand the process. Control yeah. the things that you can control. No, I mean, it's really interesting that you mentioned, you, you know, kind of your your lowest point wasn't even like going through the injuries and all that, but was really just 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 something recent. And um, and so, you know, I appreciate you you sharing that because that's um, that's definitely hard to be going through through all that just kind of recently or, or even right now. Um, is there if you had a magic wand and you were, you had that opportunity to to, to go back in time and, and change one thing? Um, is there anything in specific that you think you would change? Uh, definitely. I would go back to my college days and I'd tell myself to believe a little more, have more confidence in myself, tell myself that I do belong there and I'm not an outcast, <laughs> kind of com communicate with my, with my teammates, open up a little bit more. Uh, I was saying earlier, I was thinking about that this morning where I was like, damn, I never really got to open up to my teammates. Only maybe two really got to know like my goofy side, but because I'm an only child, I am pretty shy. And people that comes off as like, I don't know why it comes off as me being cocky or me being like really serious or kind of being grumpy or whatever, but it's not that. It's, it's usually because there's a lot of personalities in the room and I don't really know where I fit in. So I would usually kind of sit in the back or just kind of wait <laughs> till anyone like would ask me a question, then I would go ahead and opinionate, which is hilarious because my job now, people would think that I'm an extrovert, you know, like that I would, I would talk and I would talk and I'm absolutely not that. <laughs> uh, in front of the camera, yes, once the camera turns on, it's on. But once it's off and I have to talk to people that I don't know or open up, it's really hard for me. So I think that also kind of played a big part in my college, uh, my college years, because when you have a really good friendship, right, and you feel comfortable in the space, especially as an athlete, that means you're going to be comfortable on the field, right? And you're going to try things that you normally wouldn't try because you're just not scared, right? Because you know, this is your family and they're going to back you up no matter what. But if you feel somewhat intimidated, it's going to show on the field for sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's definitely, that's, that's an honestly very valid point. And I think it's very interesting. You bring up almost like 
not even something game related, but almost like the social aspects of just, you know, just being more sociable with, with your teammates and, and things like that. That's almost, you know, I've been outside of soccer. That's more like a personal thing as well. So I would literally um, dread team bonding sessions. Dread them. <laughs> I'd be like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, they weren't always the best. So I don't blame you. Um, so, you know, obviously you're, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're in that process right now of, of just being that you, recently officially retired during that process right now of transitioning outside of sport fully and what would you say is is the biggest lesson uh, that you've learned so far in terms of your transition process outside of sport i've learned not to be too hard on myself uh because it's like i said when you are a high level athlete you're so used to being on a routine or having structure in your life Right. You know, you always know when's your next step. You always know what's going to happen. You know, you have a tournament that weekend. You know, you have to show that weekend or whatever the case might be. Right. Um, So transitioning out of that into regular, just regular life, uh, I would tend to be really hard on myself because it was like, shit, I don't have my my shit together (laughs) or like I'm not doing I'm not doing this correctly or I need to do more. I'm not doing enough. Uh, my Your body starts to change, right? Because you're not working out the way you used to. And you want to work out the way you used to, but then you're just like, why am I running? <laughs> so it's just <laughs> like, a bunch yeah. of mixed emotions. No, definitely. Definitely, yeah. You're like, why are you running for what? Like, I'm still, I'm, I'm like, what's my goal? You know, and I think my goal now, I mean, I'm, I'm still pretty active, still going to the gym. And, and, and it's just, it's it's interesting because now my goal is really just to kind of stay active, stay healthy, stay fit, but um, but not for that specific fitness test or not to make that team or not to reach that that ultimate goal. Um, now, if you, if you can, you know, if you can give one piece of advice um, about sport retirement, the transition process outside of sport. Let's say there's there's somebody else just kind of going through that process right now, struggling a bit uh, mentally, um, physically, emotionally, whatever it may be. Um, if you could just give one piece of advice to that person, what would it be? Control the controllables and don't let the lows get too lows. Too low. Don't let the lows get too low. Uh, try to get yourself out of it. Feel it. I feel, I feel like it's very important to feel those emotions and go through it because you have to confront them. Um, but don't let it get too low because it can get very dark. And I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a great piece of advice. And um, listen, final question. I think I would be amiss if I didn't ask this question because um, obviously mentioned in your bio just, just how much things you've done, you know, involved with soccer um, off the field. But, um, you know, are you still involved in the game in any way? And, and if so, how? I am. I took a break uh, from the game for a little, just for my own mental sanity. But looking back, it's kind of, what's that? I, th- I think it's a quote by Steve, Stephen Jobs, Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah. Where it's, you can connect the dots looking backwards, right? You can never connect the dots looking forward. So for me, soccer, well, soccer football has given me that outlet to work in broadcasting, you know, has given me the opportunity to be in places around people that I would have never in a thousand years would have thought I'd be sitting next to them, you know, interviewing uh, Roberto Carlos or 
um, broadcasting, being able to present three champion league finals in a row, you know, things like that, or be an analyst for a men's game. Like those are, those are pretty big things where as a high level athlete, it, it kind of, you, you sort of get into, you sort of get it, like get used to just not looking at things as like a big deal, you know, where you're just like, I need to do more. This isn't a big deal. All right, cool. Uh, next under Roberto Carlos or, or, um, or Messi or whatever. All right, cool. Whatever. Next. Right. You don't even like sit there and like, take in the whole, the whole situation. Mind you, like people are like, Oh my gosh, you know, um, look last week I was, I was in New York and I'm moving my mother and I get a phone call. Hey, uh, can you fly out to Germany tonight? I was like, what? <laughs> can you fly out to Germany tonight to cover the Barcelona, um, versus Bayern? And I was like, okay. this is my life you know um so yeah so (laughs) that's kind of the that that's the outlet that my sport has given me which I still don't really there's moments where I'm like all right whatever it's not the same as playing but um I mean I guess it's a different high you know yeah yeah I mean listen I think anybody listening to this would would think that that's absolutely incredible. I mean, so are you flying out to Germany tonight? Was that today that you're talking about? <laughs> no, that was last week. And let me tell you, okay. that really put a toll on my whole body. <laughs> flying out for just a day and coming back. And then, oh my gosh, it was, it was a lot. <laughs> that's amazing. No, that's amazing. Well, look, uh, Chelsea, I mean, you've had an incredible career and and um, even, you know, beyond soccer, like you said, a, a sort of different high where, um, you know, you're, you're being asked to, to broadcast Champions League games and talk to the best players, either currently or former. And uh, I think the opportunity that, that, that you have there is just incredible, you know, regardless of, of, of the things that you can't control, right? And which you spoke about a bit in terms of, you know, your injuries and different things like that, that impacted your playing career. So, um, Listen, we'll hold it there. I think you know this was this was incredible. It was it was great. Thank you again for offering the time and for being so open and so vulnerable and and really taking us through that through that injury. You know, like, Thank you. <laughs> um, I can only imagine what it was like for you. So I really, you know, honestly, really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you for yeah. having me. Of course, of course. Anytime. We'll talk soon. All right.